Welcome everybody to podcast number 145. We're getting up there. 150 is only five <laughs> episodes away. Uh, Good man. Getting a little crazy. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> Early guy doesn't, doesn't speak on, yeah, guy doesn't speak on podcasts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, what do you guys want to talk about right off the bat here? Should we go 5PL? We already through week one. How about we stop that, though? Adam, I know he's already been talking for the last 15 minutes. You couldn't stop him talking, everybody. It's amazing. About the WWE event that you <laughs> yes. witnessed, the, the wrestling event. Let's hear all about it, Weber. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Uh, WWE Raw. And uh, I, I don't think I've, I've been to one probably in about 20-some years uh, back in Calgary. I think it went with uh, Stacy Sanderson at the time and uh, Dave, Little David. You know, it was an absolute blast back then, but... Uh, being able to bring Braxton down and Lucy was there as well and uh, uh, Lucy's like fangirling all over you know a lot of the, the guys that are there and Ed shows up late and uh, whole whole experience was was pretty incredible we really can't get much better for you know four and a half five hours for for like 40 bucks that's really good that's Christmas that's is that's well done yes. I'm kind of mad that I didn't go to be honest with you I was a little disappointed in myself when I saw your post that you were at the you're at raw i was like oh man how did i miss that yeah so so good i hope it comes back i think uh, smackdown's in winnipeg this uh this friday mm-hmm. who's your favorite wrestler oh man current I mean, current. Oh, cur- current man current uh randy probably orton. randy orton uh, yeah still yeah still I, I i love the guy when he's out there and they uh uh, Matt Riddle was definitely missing him for their uh, RK bro uh, the, yeah. this week, but uh, yeah, it would, it would have been awesome to see see him. And who's your favorite of all time? It, it's got to be Brett the Hitman. Really? That's best there is, best there was, best there ever best will there be. Ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> try try to get some of the motto out for, for my game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, the worst part is uh, we ended up getting Braxton uh, the uh, Roman Reigns hat, and it's got that stupid God mode status or whatever <laughs> on the side of it. So he he officially chose Mitch over me. God mode Davies. No, s- same height. <laughs> same hand size, same everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looked like it was fun. It was no, fun. it was a good time. Now we can talk bowling. Sorry, Kerry. <laughs> no worries. No worries. That's what this all this first 10 minutes is all about. Well, Tim, um, Timmy doesn't want to talk about the Raiders. I know that. <laughs> you know what? It, nothing's worse than you hear somebody at work is like 3-0. My team's 3-0. Best team on in the league. And I was talking about Dexter's Dolphins. I was like, ah. Yep. You know what? I have nothing to fight about it. But it is what it is. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, it is what it is. Raiders sucked. Um, I beat carrying fantasy baseball semifinals. So, <laughs> and my son, my Sunday was a little bit better. You know, I know it is what it is. I, I learned baseball? to live. Fantasy baseball's into the final week. Are you? Yeah, final week. I play uh, Ryan O'Callaghan. So, in the final, luck, Ryan. Yeah, it's it's just for Tim, a shift. Tim made it to the final. Wow, Harry, aren't you yeah, a little disappointed in yourself that if you lost to Tim in baseball fantasy? 
Oh, they had to cheat to get there. You should have seen the shady trades. <laughs> oh, <going on. laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, everybody else will be called. Give the old uh, poor Tim and, and trade up. You could you could ask just about everybody else in that group, and they would all agree. So, well, they were well, trading fixed, players, but, You know what? Yeah, you can be. Yeah, the guy that it. finished dead last, right? You know, no. So there, there was maybe a trade that was made during uh, the Thursday night doubles at Heritage. Um, and it was based off her game, and nobody vetoed it, so we got that trade through. And then um, I might have got a little bit of a, slant, a landslide trade against somebody else, in the, and but he offered it to me. I just had to accept it. And so, such so isn't there a veto? There's a veto. <laughs> yeah, there was a veto. Yeah, it was, and it was half the league had to veto it, and half the league thought it was a great trade. So that's a very diplomatic way of doing business. I mean, it, it's it's only fair. If the rest of the, if you didn't want if you didn't like it, you should have spoke up. It's yeah. just funny that Tim almost lost to a guy that doesn't even look at the whole thing all season. So I, I would have been okay with that. You know what? <laughs> it just proves that sometimes Liar. people get lucky, right? Well, Kerry has Vladdy and he has Judge, so he he got he has a pretty good solid team. Well, you got to know how to drive. Has he hit it yet? Has he hit his well, big no. home run yet? He, he has he's not up hit right it now. Yet. He's up so right like now. eighteen games or something now without one. No, how so many games forever? Yet. Uh, he has another eight, eight more games left, I think, something like that. Uh, this is seven. Seven, seven more. Seven more. Right. Are the Jays going to make it? Oh, yeah. 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 Just matter. I think three is the number, but that oh, means the that. Rays has to win out and a bunch of other yeah. stuff has and to Baltimore, happen. So. And Baltimore, too. So right? They would have a wild – they wouldn't right? be a wild card spot. They will just be in the wild card game. They'll, they have top wild card spot at the moment. There's three wild cards in baseball now on each side, so – it's a little confusing for people if you don't follow baseball. There's a bunch of rule changes over the last couple seasons. so. Yeah, and they're going to have a bigger bag next year. That'd be crazy. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, I yeah. hate it. Is next year, what, six inches on each side? No, it's only it's only like two inches on each side. But so it, it's, it's like, much bigger though. It's it's a big difference. Well, for sure, it's yeah. that's coming bigger. from a guy who won't let anybody measure his bowling balls. All of them don't understand the size. Is that similar to bowling? Like, is that going to be like a technical difference in bowling that will make a huge difference? Like going from eighteen to seventeen inches. You know, having a bag that's going to be two inches bigger, or is it really just uh, safety for players have not broken ankle? Or what's safety, their? I think. I think it's safety. You know, running to first, not you know, for, you know, messing up your ankle. I I do think there's a chance that the, that steals happen a little bit better because they are a little bit bigger, a little bit closer together. So, yeah. <laughs> it's such a stupid rule. If the, if they were so worried about player safety, they would just introduce the safety bag. It, it's so dumb making the bag bigger. Uh, they're I professionals. Don't. Just don't step on that side of the bag. Like, how many broken ankles have there ever been? It's like minuscule. Uh, yeah. I don't know who came though. up it's with that cr- stupid it... rule. Oh, he hit it. He hit it right now. He hit 61. There we go. It's out of the park. All right. Cool. Yeah. Aaron Judge making history. Live. It, the live it, call it, on podcast it, 145. In, in the bullpen. So nobody nobody has that ball. Yeah. Where were you when Aaron Judge hit 61? <laughs> yeah. Now he's just tied with him, though, right? Yeah, I just tied with him. Well, so, he's still short of the so record, Now we need though. to know that. Be... The whole team came out. That yeah, you're right. Stupid. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, it's not the so record. Pro League. Yeah. So, anyways, let's move on. Maybe we had, we had some bowling this weekend. <laughs> uh, 
how, how about those average pros, eh? Like, I see um, Adam got a little fangirl there over, yes. over his shoulder there, yeah. Yes, sir. I can't believe this thing cost me ten bucks, yeah. but it's worth uh, worth every penny. It's uh, my buddy Mark Doss, and That's... you know the, the 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 guy from the commercial. If you've uh, <laughs> if you need to put a, a tagline on the, the the happy Mexican, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's still yeah. number one yeah. one out of ten. So it's it's and after his performance this weekend, I'm sure it's worth maybe a nickel. <laughs> he did, eh? A couple, couple of two pins, and then <laughs> that yank was coming. You know, I I will say the average pros, um, for those people who didn't think they were serious or wanted to play or or didn't have a game, they played really well. You know, yeah. they almost beat the Lumberjacks, held their own against the next gen, like two of the best teams, two couple of the two of the best teams in that division. Um, they should be pretty proud of themselves for it. And right now they're seeing third in their division. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good, guys. <laughs> Obviously, they want to see a few more points, but um, yeah. they certainly played, and they just need a couple more things to go their way and a couple more shots. But now they've, they've gotten their feet wet. They know what it's all about. You know, yeah. people in the people in the building. You know, you guys had a whole bunch of people there. Dream Crushers were playing on the other side, so you're right. You know, they they're they're in and ready to go. Next gen, though, hey, they. Uh, I like the the makeup of that next gen team, and couple of pulls on both games by Des. She did the double pull both games. Even pulled Haley after throwing a strike, right? And just had a gut feeling and got to make a move after you know she did a strike. I think in six, maybe in five, and Des pulled Haley, and then Jenna came in and steadied that ship and was uh, and and won the match. Um, yeah, and right. it was really just Des thinking that just you know just took the call, but made the double pull in both games, got all the players in, and uh, and and there we are, next gen, thirteen points out of sixteen. Yeah, that's yeah. huge, big start for them. It, it, you know, the Lumberjacks had five. Uh, they didn't have any spares there to play with. They probably would have made some subs. Um, you know, getting one win, one loss. Um, but, you know, overall, a, a decent weekend for, for Lumberjacks. Again, their first time in the league playing out of there. And cameras all set up, guys are going and what it's like. So good weekend over on that side, the home hardware division side for sure. Very good. Yeah, I was um, – I didn't I didn't watch much of the other ones, but I knew, like, uh, some of the good play was at uh, uh, Fred Martin. He played really yeah. well yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tyler obviously had a great match against Scott, right? Well, and, Tyler had a 360, and then he sat on the bench, came in halfway through, and had 190 for five frames. The guy's averaging 380 for the Pro League, <laughs> for 15 frames. Unreal. Right. But Scott Rice, like you say, Tim, had yeah, he had a great weekend, right? Uh, Jordan, Jordan played well, too. Had a long leash in that second game, but ended up you know being able to throw a triple. Later on, uh, was well. Yeah, Henry as well played played really yeah. well. Henry and got realistically though those yeah. average pros. They're they're one big game away from you know for with yeah. Fred from you know taking that second one probably six two yeah. right. So yeah, it's, uh, de- definitely some great competition. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then you guys over on your side, um, you know, Dream Crush has kind of cleaned up a little bit there seven seven. Um, looked like you. Would you guys make a sub each game too? But no, we, we just played with what we had on the on the score sheet. Um, the Northern Knockout match was really close. Came down to the tenth frame. Oh yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Could have could have easily went the other way. So they played really well. 
Nice, um, I didn't see Pan- that one. Panorama played really good against Northern, and then when they played us, they didn't play the greatest. We didn't play the greatest. We just snuck out the right right matches. So yeah. it was all all pretty good. We'll get some new setup. Was phenomenal too. I want to put together some stats pack of uh, you know scores and um, you know team totals and all this stuff that will go into there and you know as we as we continue to build the data for the league we'll, we'll start getting more information to dissect right yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. so uh tim wiseman's match was today against Derek gall on the wcbt if you haven't seen it it's on there how'd that go for you tim well i won um spoiler <laughs> yeah i won it's um it's, it's yeah it's nothing to be writing home about uh i mean i had uh i lost both my games by total pinfall but i won by points um Der- derek's match i had i had pretty solid he just finished up really strong on that one um yeah. obviously i always just I, I play against derek a lot lately it just sucks playing derek because we're good friends but it is what it is and you know you play well um i'm i'm kind of I'm not not very necessarily uh, enthused with the last couple words on the on the tour, uh, you know, commentators. But I, I'll live the, with that, and that's something for motivation down the road for me. So, um, not really, <laughs> not very pleased with some of the words. So, um, but it is what it is. I didn't play very well. Yeah. But you got the win. I got the win. Yeah. Wins win. Well, it sounds like we need to go. It sounds like everybody needs to go yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah. What would they say about you, Tim? What's going on here? I, I just, you know what? Like, you know what? Like, I I felt like it was already premeditated that they thought some people thought I was going to already lose the match with the way I was playing, and uh, and I just that's how I sort of took it. Um, I could be taking it wrong fully too, and I just uh, it is. I mean. Mitch is a great player, so I know I wasn't playing very well. I had to, you know, pick up my game for whenever I played Mitch in the obviously the next match, right? So, well, they gave you the, the words of warning, like you better play better, or else you're going to lose for him. Or if he keeps this shit up, there's no chance of him in it. Is that pretty, pretty yeah. much? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. You got some words. You got some fire for next time, I guess. Hey, that's what commentators are supposed to do: is stir the pot. For sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I know it's nothing malicious by any means, knowing knowing yeah. him, right? But um, he, he just says it like it is sometimes, right? So. We. Uh, it's funny, you know. We, even like in the five PL, I've had a couple of guys that have texted me and says, "Man, you got to stop being so nice. You got to be like. There needs to be a, a heel, you know, in, in wrestling terms of somebody just got to be a jerk and call everybody out and say you're not good. It's oh, a terrible it's, plot. It's, That's it's, awful. It, and you it, shouldn't you know, be on the lane. And made, what are you doing there? Bowling that way, right? I mean, you can't. Yeah. No, like no different than um, I was. I don't know. I was speaking with, but. Henry's chirps, Henry's chirps, and getting the people going on against average pros, and um, our, you know, like how I how I banter about the Dream Crushers against you know the Bombers. People people love to hate teams and and love certain yeah. things, and it, it'd be a boring. Well, it is a boring sport when you don't do any of that stuff, right? So you, you kind of <laughs> do need you kind of do need to have a little bit of both, right? So yeah. Well, there you go. Well, if you want to hear how tim was slighted go watch his episode that's <laughs> we awesome sound bite. we need some tiktok yeah. sound bite. 
Yeah, Tyson Nelson, are you out there? Can you go get this for me, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, we might as well move on and get to our guests here. But first, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash 5pinuniverse for as little as $2 a month. You can change your donation every month if you wish. Um, it helps us bring these podcasts to you and bring guests from across the country and across the sport. And uh, we get to hear their tales and all the good stuff. So, without further ado, our special guest. I'm going to butcher your last name, Megan. I've known you a long time. Galliano? <laughs> There's a C in there. Uh, Sweet. Gallicano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that right. Gallicano. Welcome to the show. Galileo. Galileo. Isn't it fun like Galileo? Galileo. I've been called a lot worse. I was Russian for a day. Galianchuk. Or what did Brad Glenn call me? Galiciano, I think. <laughs> so I've been oh, really? Jesus. <laughs> What, what did Galileo do? Was Galileo an architect or an artist or what Galileo? He was an astronomer. <laughs> astronomer there. Galileo Galilei. That's his name. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. He yeah. prefers Galabango, so I'll need, stick need with one that. one of those, like, the more you know from NBC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reading uh, Rainbow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Megan, we might as well start with the, the latest thing that you had going on was uh, you walked away with an MBT title. I did. Yeah. Uh, rather unexpected, for sure. Uh, very excited, nonetheless. But uh, I'm only just getting back into bowling again since uh, I was injured. So I've been kind of taking my last couple of tournaments with a grain of salt and, you know, just getting back into the swing of things and... I apparently found the swing of things for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, very dominant performance too, both running both sides. Yeah, I hit a wall um, in that uh, that B final, and uh, I actually had to tell myself like, "Go away, tiredness," because like I could feel that I was just exhausted. So had a moment of just like, "Suck it up, you've only got a couple more games with this." But no, I felt really good throughout the day. Um, actually surprisingly probably the best that i've felt competing um which is saying something because i've had some experiences where like i've been really confident really comfortable but yeah it was uh an experience it was super exciting <laughs> honestly felt really good the win is obviously awesome but uh the fact that i could like come back into bowling and still be competitive was like such a huge win for me i was really really excited how's the body after uh, so I was expecting a lot worse. I was like, oh, she's going to be dicey for a little bit. But uh, no more than, you know, I bowled 20, you know, seven games of bowling sore. Everything else was pretty good. So I took uh, I took the Monday to rest and was right back at it come Tuesday. Excellent. Yeah. Also surprising. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> uh, who'd you end up beating in the final, Megan? Uh, Steve Gardner, he's uh, he's only just recently come back into bowling. We had a brief chat afterwards. Um, I believe he was uh, he bowled in like YBC and things like that. And he's only made a, a recent comeback into bowling. But uh, no, he uh, he snuck in the last spot of the cut and uh, he bowled phenomenal the whole day. It was uh, 
it was a blastable with him, honestly, was uh, we had a lot of laughs. I mean, considering it was first the B final and then the final, we had a lot of laughs, uh, which is always nice to, to have in a uh, in a match. But uh, had to kind of amp up the pressure coming down to that last game. I was like, all right, <laughs> no more having fun. This last game, I gotta, I gotta put my head down. <laughs> Well, it's nice to be able to lean on some of that past experience, especially in that type of a moment, uh, uh, that deep into a tournament, right? Uh, kind of to know how you're going to react, even if you haven't been in that moment for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, re really, like I said, put, put, uh, put the head down, you know, pedal the metal and, and finish it off. So, yeah, real, real congrats on, on that. Real Thank good turnout you. from the look of it, too. Yeah, we were... Usually uh, the bowling calendar here is like really, really jam packed. So it makes actually hosting tournaments a little bit difficult. So this September weekend that we end up having it, uh, we do end up seeing a little bit lower numbers simply because, you know, it's back to school, mm -hmm. um, it's wedding season. Like there's all of these different things that are going on that, uh, that kind of drives numbers down. And I know even like just in the days before we were like, it's going to be uh it's going to be a low turnout but no we uh we had uh 92 metrics i think it was so yeah it was uh, a lot more than we were expecting at the moment but uh no we've had a lot of really good turnout for all of our tournaments and uh, it's really exciting to see because it's kind of i don't want to say that it's changed the landscape of bowling here but it's made such a huge impact because the biggest thing for Newfoundland is it's so hard to get off the island. It's expensive. It's a long time. Yeah. And realistically, most of us aren't going to be able to make it out to, you know, a WCBT event or even a club tour event just because the time and money it takes to get there. Like you're going to have to go, you know, really deep in order to make it financially feasible to go anywhere. Uh, and while, while everybody else is kind of elevating their game when it comes to competition, you know, we didn't want to have that be Newfoundland falling behind. So it's a really nice way to see competition that's not in like a a league, right? Because I mean, yes, you're competing in league, but it's not the same, right? So uh, I think it's uh, elevated the game in Newfoundland, which is huge because it was already so fantastic. Um, but it's also prepared us a little bit more for going away. And that's why I think we've seen in the most recent years, some really big results coming out of Newfoundland in all aspects because, you know, we're getting out and experiencing their competition a little bit more. So especially especially on the female side, right? Yeah, yeah. The women in Newfoundland are, mm -hmm. I could go on for this entire podcast about how fantastic the women in Newfoundland are. <laughs> so we'll keep, we'll keep that brief. But no, there's a lot of incredible talent from the women here. There always has been. Um, I think we've only just been, it's only been recognized recently, but I mean, it goes back decades and decades where they were knocking on the door for a long time. Um, a smaller province often overlooked, not necessarily intentionally, but I mean, you think of the small little province out in the rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Uh, but no, the fact that they are finally being recognized for the insane amount of talent is so so nice to see because uh they're phenomenal they really are yeah you guys have obviously you have um some really great talent 
that's older and you have some really great talent that's really, really young, right? Oh, and man, I'm going to have to retire in the next couple of years because we got some young ones coming up that are just going to absolutely destroy everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 isn't it crazy? Courtney Lucas is still young, but she's older, com, com, looks old compared to the rest of the ones that are playing out there. It's right? insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the team that just won in uh, at Nationals, yeah. Erica, well, not leg anymore. We call her legs forever. Erica Murphy was like the oldest person on that team. And she's like 32, 33. Yeah. And like the oldest by a long shot. So <laughs> like when your veteran by many years is in her early 30s, like we got some, some young ones, that's for sure. And more coming up. Like we had uh, a really, really dominating performance uh, at uh, YBC and the U Challenge. Uh, the Newfoundland team for the U Challenge went undefeated. I'm not sure if that has ever happened before. And if it has, like very, very rare. Yeah. Um, and we had some double gold winners. Uh, Amy Harris won double gold Amy at Nationals. Harris, yeah. Had a lot, of, a lot of women and young men coming up. But obviously my heart is with, with the women. A lot, uh, a lot of good things happening out of Newfoundland, especially in the next couple of years. That's, how many uh, events does the NBT run? Sorry, was that? I think you kind of cut out a bit. How many events is the NBT uh, running these days? Uh, typically, we run uh, two main events a year. So uh, usually the end of the season and the beginning of the season. We also usually run a youth event. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to in the past couple of years just because of COVID and everything like that. And uh, we also run a memorial tournament for the late, great Bobby O. Uh, that's coming up next month, actually. Uh, and that's actually a fundraiser that uh, we do for the local cancer clinic that he was uh, awesome. He was a big advocate for. Obviously, they made a really big impact in his life. Uh, so yeah, the, the last one we had was the very first one. And we managed to donate $5,500, actually, to uh, the oh. cancer clinic, which was excellent. So Send your donations in for the next one, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we usually try to run uh, a youth event, two main events, and uh, now the Bobby O Memorial Tournament. A couple little pop-ups here and there. We'll like throw like, oh, this is a random Friday night. Let's come down and throw some money on the table and run little yeah. mini ones. But uh, yeah, four, I guess. I love the, the answer. <laughs> I love the, um, I like the Survivor uh when they do that i think that's really neat um and i also like obviously i'm a big fan of the hybrid doubles that ontario did and we we've done it in the past um i think that's a great event as well so they do unique ones and not the same kind of events that we normally would see and um yeah the survivor one would be really cool if we ever ran something like that out here we uh we try to kind of change things up especially because uh, a lot of people here never have experienced like a major cash tournament so a lot of the like ins and outs of things that are working people were gobsmacked like what is going on like we don't get this so um i think melissa and shane's big uh big takeaway from it was like we want to expose people to as many different things as we can and they're always trying to add in a couple of different new things um we just ran the hybrid doubles the first time and it was a huge success mm -hmm. everybody was talking how much they love that and uh, definitely think that could be added to the rotation. But yeah, the Survivor event was super, super fun. Super fun. Another another fan favorite, that's for sure. 
How does that one work? I can't remember. It's like a bunch of pods and you have to like win out of your pods. So similar to oh. like a heritage format, heritage, I guess, yeah. but like you keep moving up and you have to survive all the way up. And uh, it's just a really, really interesting event. A lot of it is like who is in your pod. Um, you see a lot of different names making their way to the finals, which is really cool to see. Uh, not to take away from like the talent of, you know, the big names, but you get kind of boring seeing the same people win all the time. <laughs> so it is really nice to see uh, a lot of other names, like getting that experience and making their way, making their way up and making lifelong bowlers out of them. Yeah. Did you hear that dream crushers? It gets boring watching you guys win all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Somebody commented and said uh, mm -hmm. we were just running the live tour. That's what he got. I got, I got a text message over that. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, well, it's not really that way at all. But uh, I, I'm like I said, I'm excited. Uh, what's going on in Newfoundland? I think the MBT thing really, really made a huge difference for you guys out there. I totally agree. I have to say, like we've seen probably the biggest turnout for our main events, like the Open, the Masters, the Open especially, um, the biggest turnout we've seen in decades. And I think a large part is due to getting out and getting that competitive exposure, getting that spark back. Cause I know a lot of us get kind of like, oh, it's bowling, big whoop. But you know, when you get that competition and you like that fire again, um, makes you want to kind of work towards a new goal, get back into the swing of things. And that's why we're mm -hmm. seeing people who maybe hung up the shoes years ago coming back because they're like all right seeing all of these tournaments makes me want to want to get back into it so really excited to see what the next uh few years holds for newfoundland now that we're as far removed from COVID <laughs> as we can be, i yeah. guess yeah. Do, do, do you guys like i mean i seen it in, on the tour but do you find when you hold the, the tour obviously you're going to have your like yourself and melissa matter and you know, Brad and, and Shane and, you know, all those guys always be playing most of the events, the, the MBT, the, the Masters, the Open, but your your value on the MBT is obviously more, I think, cost-effective. It only costs you like $60 or, or $80. Or is it $60 entry or $80 $60. entry? $60. $60, entry, right? Yeah. So you get the casual player, the player that might not necessarily try out and play these events, and now they're doing well, like, like the gentleman who played you in the finals, now they all of a sudden they feel they're, it, it's the opposite. Instead of you guys getting the drive and, and getting, you know, getting a higher competition, the other ones feel more comfortable, right? And Absolutely. they're willing to play the Masters. They're willing to play the, the Open because now they're like, got my feet wet. Now it's like, it's not so bad actually that I thought it was. And I can, you know, I can contribute or I can, or I can compete. So I think it's a, it's a win-win for both sides there. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, going into it, because I think at the very beginning, and I might be completely wrong with this, but um, I believe there was talks of turning the NBT into like an extension of the WCBT or something along those lines, like, you know, get the $200 entry, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Melissa and Shane had both uh, discussed it and were like, you know, that's all fine and dandy and don't get me wrong, you know these big tournaments are, are great for the big areas and the big populations, but their, their goal and their vision, I think for the MBT was, you know, you win a little bit of money if you, if you do well, but if you lose, you know, you're not losing out on very much, but more than anything, it's getting that experience, getting that 
competitive drive, getting a little bit more, uh, like you said, get your feet wet and get in the door. And that's, I think, why we're seeing so many of these uh, reemergences from uh, from past bowlers or, you know, current bowlers who are like, nah, I could take it or leave it. Um, there's a lot of bowlers that I've heard recently that are just like, you know, just watching it, like gets my fire going. And mm -hmm. uh, it's it's done a lot for for Newfoundland, for sure. Big props to Melissa and Shane. Yeah, <laughs> Melissa, and I, and I don't know who the other guy is. Yeah, I got to be. Yeah, yeah. who? Are <laughs> <laughs> you seeing anybody coming in from you know Nova Scotia or New Brunswick or making holidays out of this? I mean, obviously, like you said, the prize money may not be there for somebody to come in and play for the money, but maybe there's an opportunity that people are come and play. Um, you know from out of province too. Do you see that at all? JB has been in a handful of times and uh, I know he's said a lot of great things. We just had a nice long chat uh, a couple weeks ago actually. And uh, he has a lot of really nice things to say about uh, the MBT. Um, we have people that like might come in uh, from like Western Newfoundland, things like that. Cause even though Newfoundland's small, it's not that small. Yeah, <laughs> Driving yeah. across the island is still like a good, you know, 10 or 13 hours to get over mm -hmm. there. So we have people coming in from there. Um, we haven't seen any like major imports, I guess, but I think largely due to the fact like, you know, it's, it's not a big cash grab and that's not what the MBT yeah. is about. And much like it's, it's hard for us to pay money to go to the WCBT events, et cetera, vice versa. We totally get it. Yeah. But if anyone wants to come, yeah, it's a cool model though. Like your your model and your focus, though, like you said, is for development and for exposure. Absolutely. It's not about the money, and I think that's an important thing for the tour to to know that and to set that. And I think that's yeah. why you're having such success and across the country at other tournaments too. Yeah, I love the MGT and what it what it is and what it stands for and all of the different little side events. Um, I haven't been able to compete in all of them because I haven't been able to bowl in uh, in a number of years. But uh, even just watching them, I'm like, man, this is such a cool concept. Like, I can't wait to be able to compete in this. So I think that's that's another side of things. It's just exposing, I guess, a little more than just, you know, the 10 frames of is my score better than yours? Like, there's a lot of different formats that, that you can maximize as well. Oh, and I know even uh, at this event, uh, there was a, a Wednesday event. And because uh, I remember we were actually on podcast discussing it. And it, it did seem, you know, early in, in a week for, for a big tournament to, to, to have a, a Wednesday event. And uh, who, who knows, maybe, maybe that's where you're, there could be like a semi-high roller for, for any of the, the people that really want to, to get into like an eight-player, you know, $250 or $300 entry type, type of scenario, right? That... You know, that kind of gets that gambling aspect. So that's uh, actually exactly what the Wednesday tournament was. It was a high roller event, and it was two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, there you so, go. <laughs> Some reason I thought it was a doubles event or something. Maybe, maybe that, was that the Thursday? Uh, yeah, the Thursday we did the hybrid doubles. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's just like scheduling wise. It was a lot to try and cram everything all together, and you know, bowl a shift, bowl a doubles event. Like it was a little easier to be like, okay, here's a couple hours on Wednesday, here's a couple hours Thursday, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, we did a uh, pins game format, the first time that uh, Newfoundland has seen it, and that was uh, the two hundred fifty dollar entry, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I got to bowl in that, and it was nice to kind of get in the door, try it out a bit, and make a little bit of money, but. Yeah, we're doing a lot of different things. And I think there was, we'd had another 
high roller event as well. Um, same kind of concept, like a couple hundred bucks. And uh, they've always done really well filled within minutes when they're posted. So definitely something they're going to continue in the future, I'd say. Mixed reviews about the pins game format, but I think that <laughs> a lot of people have the same the same thoughts of, of the pins game. But it's definitely a different mentality going into yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I even had a couple of conversations with people, though. I think it's something that uh, that we could all learn from and like adopt in our regular bowling anyway. Because like ultimately, you might need to throw five strikes in a row to finish the game or win, but you can't do it unless you throw the first one, right? So it kind of gets you in that, okay, it's a frame by frame and all that matters is the frame that I'm currently playing versus the rest of it. And yeah, I think it's uh, a nice change. A nice change yeah. from the regular <laughs> the regular 10 frames mm -hmm. uh, kind, of, kind of expand on that i think it's the if we can learn just to reset after a bad frame just to kind of clear your mind and go into the next frame i i think that's probably the biggest change and the biggest adaptation i i guess that that's required for it and that definitely something that, that we could all you know evolve into you know standard you know league play tournament play totally agree we don't really practice that, do we? I mean, or do you guys, would, would you guys practice that before maybe a tour finals, uh, frame by frame? Never. Nope, I never, didn't. never did, no. But it does make a lot, lot of sense, right? Because every frame is its own match, yeah. right? It, yeah. it doesn't matter what the next frame is going to entail. You have to win this one. If you don't win this one, then you have to focus on the next one. I think yeah. the big thing, too, is like, you know, you go up, okay, you punch a head pin. Well, you can still win that frame, but you got to make sure that you're getting every single one of those pins. Yes, Mitch Davies, pinners are winners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, you could win frames with, you know, 10 or 15 pins, but you have to be able to make all of those pins count. Obviously, strikes are going to win you the most amount of tournaments, but, you know, making those spares and picking up those pins are what's going to keep you in them. Yeah, it's, it's a different... I, I think us playing all these cash events or whatever even the open and masters you play for total you always play for total right and um i think we're always i'm always thinking okay i'm a ball down i'm i'm two balls down and then you some i they throw a spare i throw a strike okay i'm only a one ball down and you're always thinking about that um tour like the tour finals is a little bit different um obviously i, I think i have to work on it um like we don't play it enough but I find, like, for example, if I punch, there's more pressure to clean up that sides in order, because if the other guy punches, then they have to, or opens, and then they have to clean it up, right? Um, but then, if, for example, when I, when I, when I talk, let's talk about Brad's match, when I played him, he shoots eight. All of a sudden, I'm playing that next match just, just to get pins, right? Does that make sense? Where mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's the wrong mentality, but you're just thinking, okay, I can get 10, or oh, I can get 15. It's not hard to do that, right? Um, where maybe I should, you should be more focused on just, um, completing your, your follow through and whatever else you're doing. Right. It's a little bit different that way I find. Um, and then when the fit match is over, it's kind of a little bit, when it's out of reach, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit, you know, it's just different. It's just a different mentality. I find you, you try to, you try to win your match with when you're, um, even frames and when you're up a frame, you want to make sure you put the pressure on them. It's a little bit. It's a little bit different format, I find. Yeah, I think it is so key. It is so key to like, much like you said, like 
be careful not to fall into that pitfall where it's like, oh, 10 is easy to get. Actually, hilarious. Yeah. Julie Hughes is probably watching and laughing. Um, we were playing in a match on the Wednesday high roller event. We both were throwing really well. It was 300 plus on the board going into 10. And she finished the 10th frame with 10. All I needed was literally 11 pins to win the match. And Julie started writing down my name. And I'm like, oh, 10 pins. I got this. I threw an eight frame. Oh. <laughs> right? Wow. So, like, it's, it, it is, I think it's a really good mentality to have, you know, frame by frame. But also, like you were saying, be careful not to fall into the, oh, it's only 10 pins. Like, I can get that. Yeah. Anybody can go, you know, head pin through the whole wing of deuce. Like, easy, easy frame to happen. It's happened to all of us. So, uh, I definitely took a lot away from that one, too. I was like, all right, got to change that mentality a little bit so, uh, other than physically playing that that format right or, or practicing you know playing that format what what else could you really do to prepare yourself for that format other than experience experience and i think we've even touched on it briefly i think a lot of it is the very overlooked uh mental practice really big passion of mine obviously i think uh it's really easy for all of us to fall into the, oh crap, I need to throw this strike. Oh crap, I need to throw this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then feeling all of that pressure. I mean, how many times do you say, how easy is it to, th to th throw a strike in practice? But when you need to throw a strike, that's when you're amped up, when you're nervous, all of those different emotions. But if we work on that mental game, uh, we're able to kind of channel those motions. And uh, Ry Glynn says it a lot married the difference between the eustress and the distress because it's stressful all around. The difference is a lot of us turn that stress into distress rather than using positive stress, which is eustress, right? So I think in order to practice going down and being like, oh, we're going to play frame for frame is probably not the most beneficial practice. Uh, but working on that mental game, I think, will uh, will help prepare you for the pins game format a lot of other formats regular bowling um it's very often overlooked i think especially at this level where you know re realistically the mental game is probably 90 some percent a million uh, percent right it's uh it's pretty much everything at this level right the the, the reps of, of many years of bowling are, are always going to be there um, you know, the experience of maybe a quick line change or, or something along those lines to make that, that quick change to get you back on track. Uh, but uh, all of it's mental. A thousand percent. I actually did this uh, exercise with the uh, Saskatchewan Bowling School and I said, describe what a, a hockey player would do to practice. Describe what a soccer player does to practice. Describe what a wrestler does to practice. Roman Reigns, by the way, that should be the one. <laughs> Uh, and nobody, will, everyone will answer, oh, skating or, you know, ball handling, et cetera, et cetera. But they never really talk about, oh, well, you have to practice on that mental game because when you get to that elite level, everybody plays for the most part, they can all play at the exact same level. The difference is in why you see uh, a lot of the same names appearing on those podiums, on those winner circles, whatever it may be, is simply their mental fortitude because that's really the only difference that is separating the physicality of all of it. So definitely think that it's something that we all can benefit from training. Um, yeah. What, <laughs> that's what, my passion. 
I, I get sometimes I get confused some... when people talk about the mental side of what specifically are we supposed to be doing? Are we like reading books, um, you know, imagery, watching YouTube, practicing things? You know, I, I just feel like in a mental, you know, frame of mind and, and thinking gets a little bit too vague and ballooned. You know what I mean? I, I want to get round into the actual details of specifically what are we doing to work on mental side of things? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the a pitfall of mental training is that everybody has to follow the same mold. You know, everyone has to be doing visualization. Everybody has to be doing this. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of benefits in uh, visualization. I'm a huge visualization kind of person. Um, there's all sorts of different other tools, though, and not everything is going to work for everybody. Uh, visualization may work for me, might not work for, for you or whomever. Um, most importantly, and the thing that I think that is something that everyone can benefit from is being able to ground themselves and center themselves and be able to really control the emotions because that is the biggest difference in those stressful situations. You feel the emotion. Um, Tracy had used this example uh, before, and I think it is the, the biggest takeaway that anyone could learn. Um, the event itself is not what is causing your pressure. It's what you perceive the event as being that causes that pressure, right? Going up and throwing a strike in the 10th frame to win a gold medal is no different than throwing a strike in practice, in league, in whatever. The only difference is our perception of what that means. So if we're able to understand that and control our emotions in that moment, then there is no difference than throwing, you know, the strike in practice, the strike in league. Um, so there's a lot of different techniques that uh, I think are available to people. And the, the biggest thing I always tell any person that I work with, any of the kids, any of the adults, uh, is to experiment because you know something might seem really really stupid <laughs> visualization when i first started i was like this is the stupidest thing ever like i can't see any of this, this is so dumb <laughs> like not doing it but like once you find something that actually works for you and when you practice enough um it allows you to understand yourself a little bit better and then put it into practice in real life um i've actually been experiencing a lot more after my injury um, I had to go to therapy simply due to the nature of uh, how I was injured. And a lot of it is harnessing all of those emotions, understanding it, allowing it to actually live in our body and then let it leave. Because I think we're so used to just pressing everything down, which is why you start seeing major athletes, you know, the Simone Biles of the world who have been pushing this stress down over and over again. And it finally just kind of reaches the top and, uh, and explodes. So uh, the key, I think, takeaway from my rambling, which I could do for the rest of the night, is uh, find something that works for you. Don't necessarily think that, you know, because Megan visualizes, I have to visualize. Just because, you know, Adam takes his time on the lane doesn't mean I have to take my time on the lane. Like, everybody has their own thing that works for them. Uh, what I will suggest is talk to the people around you especially uh, the legends of the game or the people who have been in this, this game for as long as we have been. Uh, they're a wealth of knowledge. And uh, even though you might think that, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of your game, the pinnacle of your career, the pinnacle of your life, whatever it may be, you can always learn from the people around you because everybody experiences a, a little bit differently. Uh, excellent point. 
I've uh, I, I've one of uh, started to try to get into like the the visualization and the mental imagery, and I, I I think I was probably where you were to start, where I, I just I my mind can't see it, um, or it'll work for you know ten minutes, and then I try it again, and I get very very frustrated with it. Uh, but uh, to your point, you know, it's a matter of keep trying things. Um, you know, keep keep that that routine. Keep the breathing, right? I, I think breathing is probably one of the most underrated uh, tools that we have in our game. Just just to, again, you know, calm the nerves, right? So, um, r- routine, I, I still think is probably the the, the biggest uh, thing thing that we can use. Uh, but uh, I, I agree, hundred percent. We we got to keep trying things and, and reach out to, especially not necessarily the you know the so called legends of the game, but uh, uh, the people that that you see that are successful like while watch everybody around um there, there there's a reason why you know some of these players are so successful and uh they're, they're almost all willing to you know have that that chat and and you know give you their experience maybe there's an idea for for tom's uh next book and tom forgive me maybe it's in your book but it'd be cool to have a list of say 20 players or 20 whatever number and say what does mental you know, preparation believe you know mean to you, and and what are you doing to achieve that success, or you know, and then you maybe get twenty different variations, like Megan says, and every something different works for everybody. But but what a cool tool that would be for us all to be able to look and say, hey, Adam does this, Carrie does this, and they're totally different. You know, Megan does this, Mitch does this, Jeff Young does this, and everybody does something different. I mean, you said some cool keywords there, Adam, like routine and breathing and stuff like that. I mean, those are all the bullet points, but I find it sometimes hard for me to find those specific, what are those specific things that somebody should be doing? Instead, it just becomes too much of a vague, big blanket that, you know. Yeah. I, I I'm a huge a- advocate as well for routine, a million percent, and the breathing. If you watch any of my bowling ever, it's like the most exaggerated breathing of all time. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah. totally 100% agree. I, I think mental game is obviously important when you're playing well. But I think it's even more important when you're struggling. And how do you get back Big into time. it, right? Um, Bingo. I think I think that's the difference between people that you see, you know, always making cuts to the people that you see might not make them as often, right? Um, I find it'd be huge, right? Because those ones would be figure it out a lot sooner, and limit that by just their mental um, mental toughness and and how they how they handle it for sure. I have to say that was one of the biggest things that kind of helped me overcome my injury without like going into the history of all of it. I, I'm a paramedic and I got attacked at work and ended up having a severe neck injury. I actually still can't feel my whole right arm, which is not exactly ideal seeing as how I'm a right-handed bowler. Uh, but trying to like relearn how to throw the ball and the cues that I would normally get from my body, I couldn't feel them anymore. So it was really, really frustrating. And during my practice sessions, I'd be like, like, I can't figure it out. I can't feel what I'm doing. This is so frustrating. I'm never going to get anywhere. And I had to take a moment and actually utilize all of those mental toughness skills uh, to be like, this is just something that you can use to grow, you know, take your time. And like I said, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Don't expect you to be back to 100%, you know, the second you step out uh, on the lane. Uh, but in those like really tough struggling moments, that's when you just have to find that power in yourself uh, 
to be like, okay, like it, it's not the end of the world. You know, I might not win. I might not throw a good ball, but like, it's, it's really not the end of the world and take that at, with a grain of salt. I could say that <laughs> for the rest of time. Uh, but yeah, that mental toughness, I think if it wasn't for my experience with my mental training, I don't think that I would have been able to be back bowling. Um, and if I did, it wouldn't be as quickly as, uh, as I managed it. So huge, huge proponent in my, uh, recovery journey for sure. Do you get to do some of that as part of your work as well? I mean, you, as part being a paramedic, you have to learn about your patients that you potentially could be going in. So it would be one of the subjects, but then at the same time during your recovery, you probably had to also seek some advice and do some of your own personal journey in that recovery sessions and that therapy and that, you know, sports psychologists or just all that. Right. So, um, you know, kind of need to have both sides of it. You, you need to and it is really strange because, you know, as a, as a medical professional, I mean, I deal with mental health struggles a lot. I have a lot of training in it. Uh, but then to be on the other side of it, even though that, medical professional is talking to me being like, these are all the things you need to do. Sometimes it's hard to listen to yourself, I guess. So uh, it's definitely a unique experience to to have it on both sides. Uh, but I will say that a lot of the mental fortitude that I developed in my career uh, has been really beneficial um, when it comes to bowling, because in my job, it, it really is like a life or death situation. Whereas bowling isn't okay i missed the middle okay i don't win nobody's gonna die over it so it's uh it's kind of given me a new outlook on bowling itself that like it's really not the end of the world hmm. it's it's something that, that was needed for, Pardon for, me? Your, for maybe it's something that was needed for your complete bowling journey right i agree um i always thought that i was pretty tough when it came to bowling. I often bowled like in the anchor position, um, et cetera, et cetera. But going through the experience that I've been through, I think is actually going to make me a more well-rounded competitor uh, because I've been through, I've been through hell and back hell, yeah. realistically. And I think a lot of it too, as competitors, especially at this elite level, whether we believe it or not, we a million percent take bowling for granted. Uh, it's a thing that we do. It's a thing that we're good at and that's it. But when it's completely taken away from you and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. And it's this huge identifying piece of who you are. Um, your world kind of falls apart. Right. And you're like, Oh my God, I would do anything to be able to just bowl again. So uh, among all the growth, the understanding my body, the understanding my mind, I also have this newfound respect bowling not that i didn't respect it before but it was just always something that i was good at and that i did um but then not being able to do that just really fired up that passion again i'm like i need to be thankful for every time that i get to compete that i get to you know wear a medal around my neck that i get to take a trophy home i need to really really be thankful for all of the opportunities that i have to do this because there are a lot of other people who don't get this this chance very well said. Good on you. Um, should we go back to the beginning of Megan's career? Maybe talk about Megan, how you got started in bowling and where it's, uh, you know, all the early years. And we'll work our way a little bit into, you know, opens and masters because you've obviously had lots of success there too. So maybe take us back. Yeah, a it's, uh, my 
my beginnings are probably a little bit different than uh, than most. Uh, my grandmother was a volunteer for a Special Olympics for decades and decades. And uh, growing up, we were never the most financially comfortable family. Uh, so bowling was cheap. And my parents were like, here's something that, you know, it's I think it was $150 for the season at that point. They're like, go at her, have fun. And uh, and we never really got into competitive bowling. We bowled like local tournaments and things like that. But I never actually got into competitive bowling until my last couple of years of YBC. And I moved to a larger center and uh, made a four steps team that was really competitive. And we went away to nationals and we took home the gold. And I was like, oh, man, this is so much fun. Like, where have I been my whole life? It's not just these local little tournaments that, that we can bowl in. And uh, after that, it was kind of, that was, that was it. I was hooked and uh, started showing up to more tournaments and uh, went to it, had the, the pleasure of being able to represent BC and YBC for the last two years of my YBC career and uh, just kind of rolled into the open from there. Uh, Masters was always really expensive in BC where I grew up. And I never really competed in that until I had decided I was moving to Newfoundland. So I wanted my first master's experience to be in BC. Uh, so then I started doing the Open and the Masters. And uh, that's literally <laughs> how everything started. Just this is a cheap thing that we can put you into. <laughs> and then I enjoyed it. Now, now Megan, you originally was at Cloverdale. I did bowl at Cloverdale, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Cloverdale. Cloverdale is no longer around now. I know, sad. I think, it, I think it's a church now, I believe, but. <laughs> I actually have no idea. And the sad part is I haven't even been back to BC since 2019 because of COVID. So yeah. I haven't seen uh, my hometown for a couple of years, that's for sure. But yeah, Cloverdale was a very, very small center. We had a very small YBC program. And I think uh, I never really noticed that there was, something other than just, you know, bowling at Cloverdale or bowling at these little local tournaments or four steps was just a thing that we could go and bowl in the zones and have a good time. Like it never occurred to me in my younger years that it was something that you could actually compete in and like go away and do things. So mm -hmm. once I moved to Scottsdale actually, which I think at the time was the largest YBC program in the country. And if yes, not, it was yes. very close. Um, when I went there and all of a sudden there's, you know, hundreds of kids bowling around. Uh, that was when it was like this, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get it. Yes, for sure. Um, and you spoke about participating in the open, obviously. You qualified and for masters and and open singles many times, but um, I think your first goal was in 2013 on the the ladies team in BC. It uh, was out in out, out in Newfoundland, and I think you were emergency spare if I remember correctly. I was actually I was coming out as a spectator, and a couple of days before, um, someone had to drop out of the team, and they'd asked me to join the team, and of course I'm going to say yes, uh, and. Uh, it was my first opportunity to bowl with those ladies. Um, we have uh, obviously in the lower mainland of BC, there are three zones that are really, really close together. So obviously I got to see everybody. I knew everybody, but we kind of all had our own zones that we played in. And this was not my original zone. So it was the first opportunity I had to play with those ladies. And we just had the best time. 
Um, winning was, I think, the the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> but uh no it was just such a great time and uh was actually the first time that i came to newfoundland and i made i decided to make a trip of it so i stayed by myself for uh several days downtown in a hostel and uh made some friends and was like this is a pretty pretty cool place and here i am almost eight years later (laughs) (laughs) who was on that team at nationals the bc Uh, Oh boy, uh, I feel very, very old. Um, there was multiple Lori's, Lori Belancic. Uh, I think she actually just commented there, it was super yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. Trish was on that team, Charlene was on that team who also now uh, lives in Newfoundland. Um, oh my goodness gracious. Carol was. Yes, thank you. No, Carol was yeah. not on that team. Now you're going. Now you're going. Uh, let me pull it up. I'll, 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 I'll help a sister out here. Yeah. And, you, you know, and plus, you know all the stats too. You know what the wins and the averages and, and yeah, all Lori, the yeah, Lori, Lori, you're right. Yeah, Lori, Lori Sh- Charlene, Trish, Trish, Megan, Lori, uh, and Vicky. Oh my gosh, Vicky! I can't believe I forgot Vicky because she actually had won. I believe it was the very last time the BC ladies had won gold I believe she was on that team how did I forget Vicky yeah. I feel like I just sprouted a gray no that was a that was a blast it was honestly so so much fun um I think the coolest part was like we kind of went in under the radar nobody really expected us to do much and uh we just kept winning and we were at the, I think we were in first the entire tournament actually if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And speaking to a lot of the Newfoundland ladies after, they were like, oh, BC had a good day. Surprising that they're still in first. They're still in first. They're still in first. Yeah. Um, take but we, yeah, we played our gold medal game at the same time that uh, the Alberta men were playing against uh, Newfoundland. And yeah. uh, I don't think I have ever experienced that level of deafening noise mm-hmm. in a tournament ever. Um, anyone who was in that building, I think, could attest to how loud it was. You couldn't even hear yourself think most of the time. Uh, because I believe that was uh, Bobby O owned uh, Holiday Lanes, and it was him going for the gold, his first gold in uh, his home lane. So all pretty much all of Newfoundland was there, okay. and uh, they made sure they knew that they were there. <laughs> it was It was a crazy experience, and um we i think we talked about lots on on podcasts about that experience um but i do remember i think you guys are playing the alberta ladies it looks like we were um and i remember i don't know if it was against new against you guys but i think Haley's uh fingernail came out <laughs> off and it, so that all, all the ladies had to show their fingernails because it was going to be a foul, right? Yeah. Uh, it was like so finger gate. Finger gate, yeah. It started off as I was going for a corner pin spare, and my ball was going right down the lane, and all of a sudden it just literally went sideways, and I was like, what is happening? So I was like, there's something on the lane. Like, my ball literally just completely went sideways. And uh, I guess it had turned into, oh, calling a foul but i don't think that was the case at all i know it wasn't for me i was like i don't know what's on the lane i just don't want it there and uh ultimately we literally all had to stand in a circle nail gate of uh 2013 to uh no. to show everybody 
yeah. our fingers. And uh, I didn't care if it was a foul or not. I was like, I just don't want it on the lane. <laughs> well, did somebody have to walk out there and they found this fingernail? They there? did, in fact, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then came back and said, whose nail it was? And everybody show your nails. And everybody Every put their hands in their, all hands in their pockets. Had to sit with her hands in a circle and they had to go around and look and it was like hilarious you can't even like make it up it was so, i wouldn't so show funny. you why why do you need to know you don't need to know anything because yes. i think that's when they were like oh whose is it we're gonna call a foul blah 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 but like i don't think any of us cared about is fouls. that a foul is that a foul where's the rule book deck it was a foul back then now it isn't no different in no different in your dust incident, Daryl. Yeah. Right. No yeah. different. Well, that, that's well, all well, that yeah. stuff is gone, right? So. But it wasn't a foul because it, I think it's only a foul if you call it when it happens. But like I was like fourth on the in the lineup, and Haley hadn't bowled in God knows how many bowlers. Did, did so at that know? point, they did were Haley like, know? "No." She knew. Oh, she knew it was our. She came over and she's <laughs> like, "I as my is my fucking nail. I'm not going to show my finger." <laughs> So I, I think she, I don't know. I think she casually left. I don't know, but I, yeah. all I know is we're, we're we're playing this we're playing this match, and uh, all I hear is all these women just you know cat calling each other. I'm like, oh my god, guys! It's just pulling them all off. Yeah, I think what they were saying is like it could have fallen off like back on the lane, and it could have been like kicked on by somebody yeah. else, and yeah. like. So it never actually was a foul, and none of us cared about it. We were just like, just get whatever it is off the lane. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. And it turned into this big thing because I think the uh, the judge of play was uh, like all we were doing. I know because like I was the only one that noticed it because my ball ended up hitting it, and uh, I just was like, can you go and get whatever it is off the lane because I don't want to hit it a second time. Uh, but yeah, then it turned into Nailgate of 2013. Thankfully, it's. Uh, it didn't make a difference in in anything that took place, but uh, yeah, funny to look back on now. Twelve ladies all sitting there with their fingers <laughs> in a circle, <laughs> busted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good times. That's for sure. Yeah, no, and then um, you obviously uh, representing Newfoundland. You finally won your your singles after many silvers and bronzes. Uh, your I gold did. in 2019 in, in your home 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 lanes basically in in Scottsdale. How did that mean mean a lot for you? Um, I think it's hard to say explain because it was this feeling of I don't want to say it was pressure because it wasn't, but it was just this feeling of like it's only ever happened to me a handful of times in my life. And I woke up the morning of the step ladder, and I was like, "You're winning today." <laughs> That, and that's it. And I've never, like, you could say that all you want, but like, I woke up and I felt it. I was like, it, this is like divine intervention or something. Like the fact that I'm in BC representing my new home province with my family there who, as we've established, weren't bowlers. So they don't get bowling. They were like, oh, what is this a big thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, it was, it was so nice to finally happen i know i had been knocking on the door and i was really close uh, a handful of times um so it was really nice to finally have the win because i feel like if if i hadn't and then you know the career ending injury happened i would always have that like what if 
Um, but as devastated as I was like to be injured and not be able to compete, I was like, okay, well, at least I've done the things that like I, I want to do. I've won a gold medal with BC. I've won a gold medal with Newfoundland and I've won a singles gold medal. So it was, it was a little easier for me to handle, I think. Um, but no, it was super, super fun to have my family there. Um, my mom had passed before I really was able to compete as, uh, as an adult. Uh, and she was like the big bowling supporter and uh, the ignorant one in the stands making all the loud noises and ridiculously. <laughs> uh, but to have like my dad and my stepmom and like the rest of my family there when otherwise I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to have them there. Uh, I think that made it 10 times more special. And then to have my best friend on the lanes with me was like, I don't think you could write a storybook ending better than than what it was. I had a great time competing with all the women that year. Uh, it was a really, really tough competition. And uh, we always had a bunch of laughs throughout all of it. Uh, it's very rare that you'll ever see me like really, really angry, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to be able to have fun with, uh, with our competitors. Cause at the end of the day, like, yes, we're competing against each other, but we are friends off the lanes. Who did you beat in the final? Uh, that was Sam from uh, Northern Ontario. Yeah. yeah. And there she is. Yeah. yeah. Ah, there she is. <laughs> yeah. How, how did it feel walking in with the uh, Alberta hat on at the closing <laughs> ceremonies? <laughs> uh, I don't think that uh, anything could have changed how I felt. It was really fun walking in with you, <laughs> which was, uh, I'm glad that you were there to guide me where I needed to go, uh, which was... <laughs> to no seat i had nowhere to sit so i squat down for the whole entire turn the whole presentation <laughs> until someone found me a, a little chair but uh no it was uh it was a lot of fun i obviously have a lot of uh memories in alberta and a lot of good experiences there so it was nice to be able to share that with uh with you and the alberta crowd yeah that's pretty awesome yeah especially uh jen baker really good good friend of mine and uh i was grateful to be able to compete with her when she was here in newfoundland and to be able to be back in the the victory room with her representing two different provinces because we had just uh had just won in 2018 uh that was another perfect ending i think it was really nice to see her there yeah that was yeah. you won that as well adam in which, sorry, 18? Uh, well, you said you walked in. 19. Yeah, 18 yeah, yeah. is Quebec, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you won. Hold Fred. on. <laughs> That's, hey, I had, I had a rule book thrown at me that Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> a rule book thrown at you? Like, li literally a rule book. Oh I, I, I had the C5 president basically in, uh, like, a closed room kind of telling me just to keep my cool so that, that was that was interesting good times though finished well <laughs> yeah yeah you and freddie uh you guys are still good friends i mean you guys saw him last week or a couple yeah, weeks ago and that was awesome yeah. love that guy yeah he just texted me he's laughing at my 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 score so i really appreciate that thanks freddie <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know more about this rule book Oh, you'll have to go back to the other podcasts. I think we went over it. <laughs> yeah, it was like in the first like 10 podcasts. 
that, 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 that's an OG moment. There was a there was a meme about it too. You can go back. That's right. Gotta go back. Yeah. Gotta bring that up again. Yeah. <laughs> gonna start diving into the archives. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it quickly. Yeah. Uh, do any yeah. other? Sorry, Daryl. No, it's okay. No, I was gonna ask Megan. Do any of the other opens that you would have competed in? You know, ring out to you that are worth talking about and sharing. Obviously, you, you had a number of uh, events that you said you fell a little bit short. But uh, what's what are some of those years in the open sort of tournaments that uh, you remember well? Uh, not falling short, thankfully. Uh, 2018 <laughs> was such a special year. Um, I had been playing with the Newfoundland ladies for several seasons at that point, and uh, like I've already spoken about, the talent here is is really phenomenal. And uh, we had been really close. We'd been on the, the podium in step ladders, uh, but we went away in 2018 and we played incredibly well. And uh, to be a part of that team and the first Newfoundland women's team to win a gold medal at the Open, um, to bring that home felt, I can't even really describe it, honestly. Um, it was just such a historic moment. And to be able to say that that I was a part of it, um, I think is always going to be a really, a really big memory for me. Um, yeah, I think that's the the best one for sure. Now, can we put you on the spot and list those those team members? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one might be a little bit easier. It was only a couple years ago, so memories a little bit better. Uh, Cordy yeah, Lucas, actually, she won the uh, the Rookie of the Year uh, that year. Um, Erica Murphy now, leg. We always refer to her as legs. So uh, Melissa Manor was on that team. Uh, I got to go like in order <laughs> lineup. Courtney, Melissa Manor, Erica, myself, Jen Baker, and Megan Davis. With Coach Don Osmond. She's like Coach O. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, an amazing, amazing week uh, of bowling uh was the beginning of my injury so that was uh not as much fun off the lanes when i got back and had to deal with that but the experience itself was was next level and uh to finally have newfoundland take home that gold uh was a really really special moment for me in my career for sure that's awesome what about the master's side of the equation the masters um that was a lot of bowling, <laughs> a lot of bowling and a lot of different medals that were not gold. <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it's always an honor to be able to represent uh, Newfoundland uh, at any national tournament. And every year, the really cool thing is every year I got to bowl with uh, a different male from Newfoundland, which was, it made every experience uh, unique. Mm -hmm. So I got to bowl with uh, Ken Byrne, uh, Mitchell Williams, uh, Shane Chafe, the year that he won. Um, I got to bowl with Brad Glynn for half a day. <laughs> and then uh, unfortunately that was the tournament that I had to withdraw from. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the Masters is such a unique experience for, especially in the single side, because I mean, you bowl the open and it's 21 games of just going and bowling. And then you go to this one game stepladder event, which I've never been a big fan of. 
Uh, but the the Masters is every single game means something and every single frame means something. And even if you have, you know, a 180, if you are still in your match, like you got to go and find the, the wherewithal in you to go and throw, you know, the strike and 10 to win or, or something along those lines, or you could go away and throw absolutely massive and uh, not do so well. Um, but I think it makes the tournament itself so unique uh, because, everything means something right every time that you're you're on the lane it means something not saying that any other tournament it doesn't mean something but it it's a a, a totally different mindset i think much like we were discussing earlier with the uh the pins game and all of that like it's this completely different mindset even though realistically it shouldn't be <laughs> should all be the same but it's it's a totally different way of approaching bowling and um i was very very thankful in uh my years of uh of competing at the masters to have been on the podium uh multiple times uh mm -hmm. i'm excited to be able to come back to bowling this year hopefully can do well in uh, both the open and the masters this year but we'll see we'll see how that unfolds this coming season what does the qualifying look like for masters in newfoundland um similar concept um we used to do six game six game sets but i think they oh boy um it's still a, it's a best of six uh i just can't remember if they're all eight game sets now or six i'm involved in a few years <laughs> but a similar concept the uh the best of six and of course weekends or or is it kind of similar to alberta where it's like the three weekends uh, before it was kind of all over the place and I don't believe it was really on weekends. Um, but this year it is, uh, a Saturday, Sunday, three different weekends. Um, and I do believe that there are eight games this year. Uh, ah, look at that. Selena. To the rest yeah, I believe that there are eight games. Uh, I know that's what I was used to bowling in BC. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know coming out here, like the open qualifying is a little bit uh, different and the Masters was a little bit different as well, but I think that it's uh, more along the lines of the rest of the country when it comes to Masters qualifying. Correct. And of course, Masters is being hosted this year, Nationals at Newfoundland. So you don't really have to travel anywhere. You can stay home and, uh, you know, put it on is. a Put on a show there. I actually thought it was really cool. Um, I was uh, I was asked to be a part of the host committee for the uh, the Open Nationals, and it was uh, an absolute yes. Um, especially where I couldn't compete, I wasn't bowling at that point. Um, it was so nice to like still be involved in the tournament. Um, a lot of things ended up happening very very close to the Nationals, which was stressful as heck. Uh, three weeks before a national event when the hotel is like, you can't stay here anymore. Yeah. Big <laughs> problem. <laughs> so like a lot of things that uh, were very last minute, us having to try and fix, but it was uh, the first time that I'd ever hosted a nationals. Cause most of the time, if I uh, am bowling um, I, or when I am bowling, I'm not able to volunteer as much. So that was a definitely a different experience, but it was really cool to, 
have it here and be here because it was the first time that I was living here when it was hosted. And uh, maybe I'm biased. I think it was a great time. <laughs> well, it definitely was. And with all, all, all the curveballs that were kind of thrown at, uh, at the entire committee there, and, yeah, it ran, ran really well. Uh, obviously, a couple snags, especially with the hotel and you know some, some of the the catering and all the, all that uh, that jazz. That's but, another podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, you, guys, you guys did did a tremendous job. And, uh, of course, it, it's Newfoundland. Everybody wants to go to Newfoundland. Everybody's going to have a blast in Newfoundland, and uh, it's, it's it's usually the the, the hospitality, the, the the people that are just just make it such such a great experience. Uh, the, the the lanes the center put on a the, a great show for for everybody and um, man the crowd was was electric uh, especially you know with uh, with the Newfoundland ladies playing so well. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. That game like you couldn't even hear anything. I was over there trying to do uh, live scoring updates and uh, doing the social media and everything, and half the time I couldn't even I couldn't even take my eyes off the screen because like. I couldn't hear anything. I had to. I had to focus so hard to try and get what I was doing because it was so so loud. Uh, but no, definitely excited for the Nationals to be here this coming year. Um, I know the Glens are are running a, a tight ship for the Masters this year, and I have no doubt they're going to put off an amazing yeah. event. Mm-hmm. I, I, you all give her your kudos. You did a hell of a job as social media coordinator that yep. the, your posts you. were, were really good and uh a lot of people followed them and got a lot of great information out of it so um obviously we need to find somebody out here in alberta that does the same great work uh or if we can just send it to you you can post it for us right i mean <laughs> that's an option the too. first organization that uh that has me holding the reins uh i've got a few <laughs> under my belt there now uh yeah. but uh no i think it's a uh, if anyone is saying that social media is not the way that people digest, like that is how people digest their news. Everything. The, everything is on social media. And uh, it's uh, if you're not utilizing it, I think it's such an untapped market, um, especially because it's so easy to click share, to click like, to spread information, especially when it is useful, helpful information. Wish it wasn't as easy to, to share the the not so helpful stuff. Uh, but no, it's a, a huge tool to have in your arsenal, especially when it comes to uh, hosting events like this and getting information out quickly. Cause I'll tell you one thing, I will see something on social media way before I see it in my email. So I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Best part is it's free. It is free <laughs> and it's so easy. All you do is a couple little, a little text, you know, the, the open posts I literally spent, I think it was, maybe three hours one day and i scheduled out every single post in the full month and a half leading up to it i had it all ready to go and that was it you know 50 some odd posts or something like that all done up <laughs> with information with everything done it, it is actually so easy to do it is yeah it was it was well done thank um, you i i know we uh carrie's hounded everybody about liking and sharing and and all that <laughs> stuff so at yeah it, it goes a long ways and it's free to do that so I'll take my five pin universe hat and I'll jump on board for you, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Easy. Ship it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be eating Better. my words here in a minute. <laughs> Better order than that. <laughs> yeah. 
So what's what's next? What, what's in the the remaining bucket list now that you're you know back in in the game? I think I don't necessarily think that I have a bucket list um, because every tournament that I go into, obviously, like my mentality is a tiny bit different uh, because I'm just grateful to be able to compete. Um, but now knowing that I can be competitive, that I can throw the ball well, that I can throw the ball consistently, um, my goal in any tournament is to go out and win. Um, I don't care if it's a qualifying, I don't care if it's a, a provincial tournament. Uh, every time I go into a tournament, ultimately what I want to do, I'm there and I'm playing to win. Um, I don't think I like get hung up on not winning because in the reality of things is we're not going to win everything. Um, we might not even win at all. Uh, but I think my goal is to always grow from every tournament. Um, even the first MBT event that I bowled back in the summer, um, I use that as like a stepping stone. I learned things from it, uh, going away to club tour, learned things from that. This tournament as well took a lot of different things away. And I think that my goal is always to be the best that I can be. I mean, that's as cheesy as it is to say. Um, my goal is always to be the best version of myself. Um, uh, I don't play for anybody else. I don't play for, you know, the people in the stands. I don't play for anything. I play for me and I always want to be putting the best version of me forward. Whether that means that I throw the ball well or not, I want to just be the best me in every, every tournament. So if I'm able to be competitive, um, at all going forward, that, that is a huge huge cherry on top of everything that I have been through. Um, especially cause I, uh, for a long time there, it didn't look like I was ever gonna be able to bowl again. Um, so yeah, every tournament, I just want to be the best. Obviously winning would be great. Masters would be nice. <laughs> you did a double crown, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really nice, but I try not to, uh, to put too much pressure on myself, especially as we've established it's, uh, almost a miracle that I'm able to, to compete again. Um, so yeah, I just want to take every tournament as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to have a good time. I'm always there to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> You're a newfie. Right? <laughs> name, name of the game. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very rare. Unless someone has done something to like royally piss me off. Uh, very, very rare that you're going to see me like, angry or pissy or anything like that so i'm always there to have fun laugh at myself a little bit mm -hmm. so i have a kind of a two-part question um we're talking about newfoundland and you're a transplant newfoundlander right um jeff young and jen young are moving there right I'm uh, obviously you're 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 good friends with them what does that mean to newfoundland or how does that enhance what you guys got there I think just the reason that Jeff and Jen are such good friends of myself and Melissa specifically, um, we're a little squad, uh, is just the, the energy. Um, don't get me wrong. They're incredible competitors. Uh, but the energy that they bring to everything that they do and the passion that they have, and they're always there to have a good time. Uh, Jeff, maybe not so much halfway through club tour, but, uh, <laughs> always there to have a good time. And, uh, to say that they are, if, if you say anything, of course, they're going to make, uh, a huge contribution to Newfoundland. Anytime that you have, uh, 
talented bowlers or bowlers in general, adding to your already huge list of competitors, um, it just makes the depth that much, much stronger. So I'm personally just excited to be able to have them here. They're building a house uh, just around the corner from, from my house within stumbling distance, we say. Uh, so really, really excited to just have them here. And uh, I think it'd be really cool to be able to bowl on a team with one or both of them in the future. So yeah. super stoked to have them come. Se second uh, part question. Um, I hear everybody rave about the Jeffy burger. Is it actually that good? It's spicy, <laughs> but yes, it is very good. <laughs> we, he's already committed to Jeffy burgers uh, on his back deck. So uh, Jeffy burgers <laughs> for masters in Newfoundland. Oh, okay. So he's a big party at Jeff's house. <laughs> Ooh, house party. <laughs> <laughs> If Jeff. they haven't already uh, put their house up for a party, I totally just did. So sorry, That's Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Voluntold. I'm sure. I'm sure Jeff will just love us walking over there. <laughs> yeah, super cool guys. Super cool. Yeah, you're just, only a, you're just the house you're only a yeah, uh, hey, Timmy, Timmy, yeah. you got to get there first. Yeah, they're moving in the beginning uh, who, of May, who, who, so who uh, they'll be here and just settled before the Masters in uh, in July. So we could still call it a housewarming. That's assuming that they're going to be on time with their house. Oh, see, they were actually supposed to move in the fall. Like, they were supposed to be here October. So this is now pushed. So there is no way that this is on time now. Or they will be on time. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a house renovation, and I know I'm not on time. So that, I know that's six months away. But <laughs> Oh, man, Jen was here for the Open, and we were doing some house-related things. And, uh, I mean, we did it all in a day, which was absolute madness i'm sure jen can attest to that especially where she was bowling singles like the next day uh but yeah it was just delay after delay after delay i would drive by and check out the house and still didn't have a foundation so i think it was uh don't really want to move here in the winter time or try and drive across the country so they were like you know what if it's not going to get done we'll just come out closer to the summertime so may it may it is and may it it will be so very excited <laughs> to have them here maybe you chat a little bit about that like you mentioned the word squad i've seen jeff even say that before um and obviously a club tour um you know it, it kind of treated it that way you were a squad and even to the point of seeing when jeff obviously got a little overheated on the sunday you know, called in his medical advice and uh, <laughs> he uh, and basically supported him through the rest of the day on Sunday of uh, of needing that help. And it's it's obviously certainly nice to have somebody there on your side to, to do that. So, and I think they the, like the four of us specifically. Um, we always have each other's backs, and we're always like there cheering on everybody. Um, we were all there supporting Jeff uh, during the club tour, and uh, I know when he uh, when he started feeling unwell. He did the whole, and I thought yeah. he was like yelling at Jen for something, send her over, and he like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, knowing full well, like, of course I'm going to be there. I don't care what it is. I'm going to be there to, uh, to help him through all of it. Um, later that night, we actually had another medical emergency. Not me for the first time in a while. So we'll take that and be happy with it. But no, uh, they were super supportive through all of that too. Um, and uh, I know during the MBT event, every single time they were watching every stream, great shot. Oh my God, another win, another win. And uh, we we really are a squad. Like we are there to support each other in all of the decisions that we make. 
um, we're there to celebrate the big and the little victories. So really, this is why I'm so excited to have them here because like, I do really consider them like my squad. They're my people. Yeah, I think that's good Always to have. Maybe because I'm just really excited to have them here. But <laughs> the bowling, the bowling aside, that's an extra little cherry on top. So, do we foresee another expansion for the uh, pro league team? If we got Jeff and Jen Young, we got Malik, Megan there. What? Like, you got enough players there? You've been talking about too. Maybe there's a second team coming in. <laughs> Anybody who can like develop some form of like squad logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you got to wait a year. You got to wait a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we start rounding the Suicide team. Squad. Suicide yeah. Squad. Jeff can be Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Jeff can be Harley Quinn. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no yeah they're they're just they're great people and anyone who knows them would say the same but they're definitely extra special in my life so super excited to have them and like be literally around the corner from me which is wicked that'd be good might find me on their couch a few mornings if they don't <laughs> want me to be there but <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about else about other, you know, we talk about other bowlers and up and comers there, or maybe some of the guys, let's, uh, you know, Newfoundland, um, you know, what's shaking, what's happening, who's playing well, where are we, where are we at coming up this year? The thing that is like, and I will say it till I'm blue in the face. The thing that is so mind boggling to me is in such a small area, like all of Newfoundland and Labrador, I think has maybe 500,000 people if that um the majority of whom live in st john's and surrounding areas so like 250 300 there which is nothing compared to a lot of the the bigger provinces in the sport and uh to have so much depth here it, it blows my mind like i i had no idea of the magnitude of it until i started bowling here competing against these people um because a lot of the zones because everybody is so close, the zones themselves are actually uh, centers. So we they've since been relabeled as like Metro One, Metro Two, Metro Three, et cetera. Um, but we have four zones just in the St. John's Metro area, um, which how can you still field competitive teams with such a small pool and split them up over four different zones? And not only that, we actually have uh, our provincials, we have uh, rules where you can put in multiple mixed teams. Um, people who bowl the mix can actually buy in to bowl singles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we have competitors, huge lists of competitors. Um, and the, the thing that is so crazy to me is like, you will never see all the same people all the time. Uh, I know we've spoken about it before, but uh, when they were still in the the zones or the uh houses sorry um the national gold medal winner in 2013 was the holiday lanes men the following year in 2014 was the saint pat's men which is you know they're 10 minutes apart from each other so and completely separate groups of people um so the the bowlers here are so like the depth of the competition here is so outrageous uh that I don't think I could even list like who's playing well, who's doing well, because there's so many of them. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Um, we do have a lot of really young talent that's coming up though. 
Um, I know that the youth challenge team uh, had a phenomenal performance uh, at nationals this year. They went undefeated, which is amazing. Um, I don't even know if it's ever happened before, but if it has, it's extremely rare. Uh, huge bowling out of all of those young kids. Um, and we also had a really, really big year uh, at the YBC nationals. We actually had um, a YBC senior, Amy Harris, win double gold. Uh, and she bowled amazing, like something like a 257 average or something like that. Uh, so we have a lot of talented bowlers and a lot of really young bowlers that are coming up. Uh, so I think the landscape of bowling here might change a little bit in, uh, in the next little while. But uh, no, we have, uh, we have a lot, a lot of really talented bowlers here on the island. And uh, I think it's... Uh, it's a really big family. Like everyone on the lane will claw each other's face out. But the second you get to that that banquet, the gala that we call it, uh, everybody is just there and has a great time. And uh, everybody's friends outside of bowling too, which is which is really really cool. Nothing but support so from everywhere too, right? Oh, absolutely. Like the family, extended families. Yeah. When I, when I won in 2019, obviously like I was bowling in BC as a Newfoundland bowler. And the very first people that were there to congratulate me were Newfoundland bowlers, tears streaming down their face. Oh my gosh. Like they're so supportive in everything that like that the province is doing, they will be behind your back a hundred percent. And it's a really cool dynamic to have. Um, I've only ever obviously bowled in BC, uh, but to have so many people behind you supporting you, like as a BC native and spending my whole life in BC, I think I might actually have more support in Newfoundland than I even do in BC. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's such a cool uh, community to be a part of. Squad! <laughs> we were talking about the squad cast tonight, so... Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> what, um, so, with obviously all the great bowlers and talent and people there, what, what's the coaching scenario look like in Newfoundland? Is there lots of people that are coaching, or is it really just it's, it's by so, committee bowlers? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think that's the problem that we've been running into as of late, uh, because the I'd say. 90 plus percent of the active coaches right now uh they all bowl so you're basically waiting for people to not make a team in order to have a coach and then where we have so many zones and then so many extra teams uh that can be put in uh i want to say i might completely be wrong with this number i feel like there were like 11 maybe 13 mixed teams at our net or at provincials last year so like that turned into a, a coaching nightmare uh so it's uh being a small population we have a, a lot smaller group of people that we can pick as coaches um but i don't think it takes away from the quality of our coaches no like anybody that we have yeah. coached is is really talented, really experienced. Um, and even if they're not experienced, they go away and do extraordinary things. Um, I know we had a, I don't want to say rookie because Karina's coached a lot, but a uh, 
a less decorated coach go away to coach the youth challenge. And I've heard nothing but amazing things that she did uh, when she went away and obviously was a huge, a huge part of their victory. So like we have a lot of really talented coaches. We just need uh, more. Yeah. We need more. Yeah. But I feel like that's a, an ongoing issue with many, many provinces right yeah, now. Uh, yeah. Can, can I, maybe I can touch base on it maybe and throw a challenge out to some, some of you guys out there, I yeah. obviously um, I have a little bit of insight on on coaching situation out there. Um, it's it's a cluster right now, uh, if to say the least. Yep. So with COVID and with um, obviously people aging out, we we were losing a bunch of coaches. Uh, so we, we obviously have the virtual clinic that's available now or is is eligible, right? But part of what CAC has given us or myself is that we have to get our learning facilitators. Uh, up. They have to be, um, they have to take a course or go through the course um, like that we normally would do with community sport or, you know, people call it level one, but the community sport online before they're able to deliver it to everybody else. Okay, now in, in Canada, there's seven learning master learning facilitators out there or developers. Okay, those are the ones that help create the course of the community sports. So, like one is Ken Byrne, you have Daniel Lamarsh, you have Sheila, you have Dave, you have Gort uh, Staunton from, from Ontario, you have Frank Clark, and you have Brian Sudbury. So, those are the seven main people out there. Okay, so these people have to find time during their busy schedules and start. Um, doing virtual tr training for the learning facilitators. It's like a two or three hour, four hour course, or just to quickly go through it, uh, how to use the slides, how to use everything else like that, okay? The problem is learning master, master learning facilitators need to have to get on again, and we gotta show them how to how to use the program, but try to get them all on once, it's it's almost nearly impossible. So we're trying to, I'm trying to spread it out on certain days where we can do half and half, or trying to get those ones in there, because obviously like Ernie out here can't do a course until he does the online stuff. Right. But the learning, the master learning facilitators have to know how to do it properly. It's, it's a big schmoz right now. I'm trying to get him on there. Not like in a negative way. It's just, it's really tough to get everybody organized and that's all through CAC. Now the other big hard part is trying to find learning facilitators out there. Okay. So there's, I think Ken is the only one out in Newfoundland that does, Learning facilitator. I was right? literally just about to say he's the oh. only one at the moment. So, so learning facilitators, we can try to get a course together with one of these master learning developers, which I, we, which we suggested. We get them on a certain day. It'll cost each province or whoever wants to do it with airfare and all the other stuff, a couple thousand dollars, right? Just to do it the one time. Now, um, they would become a learning facilitator and then you don't have to go through all the rigmarole of everything else. The one thing is, if you can't do that, then you have to do it. It's a three-step process to try to become a learning facilitator. Now, you, please keep in mind, you need three courses in order to participate in this. So, for example, like uh, the first one, if, if I want to see Ernie McClellan's having one, I can sit on his community coach course. I can just watch the first one. The second one, I would co-deliver. And then the third course, I would have to d deliver myself. So it's a three-step process. This is all through CAC and Coaching Association of Canada that we have to follow, right? So it is a step of process. Um, so I, I'm kind of throwing out to anybody out there, if anybody's interested in becoming a learning facilitator, 
um, it would definitely help the coaching situation out there in order to do it, right? So actually, uh, at our AGM just uh, a couple of weekends ago, um, we had discussed this point exactly. And uh, we, I can't remember the name that was put out there. Uh, someone might might know off the top of their head. Uh, but we have uh, committed to having adding another facilitator to our roster because right now having only the one uh, one person providing coaching courses definitely limits the ability to pump out new coaches. I know myself, I actually only have my level one um, and uh, really hard to do uh, a level two when, you know, schedule conflicts or COVID obviously doesn't help. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, having that that extra person, uh, even just the one extra person, I think is going to make a really big difference here because I know like myself, I'll go and get get my level two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I totally agree. I think it's uh, it's going to be a really big uh, key, not even just in Newfoundland, but across the country. Across uh, Canada. Because uh, I think coaching is a really big struggle in most places, honestly. Um, um, obviously, the yeah. smaller provinces are having a bigger issue just simply because they don't have the numbers. Uh, but it doesn't take away the fact that larger provinces have similar issues. Correct. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think... I think getting the virtually trained first and getting them on for community, it's going to be a huge help. You can take a course that's run from in Alberta all the way from Newfoundland, right? And then that, that will help save the issue with a lot of things. Uh, competitive is the tough one, right? Because right now yeah. that has to be worked on. Um, Longer. And there's, yeah, uh, I just think that's going to be the tough one, right? So, yeah. I, I know we briefly touched on this in, you know, previous podcasts, but like, why is there a need for the competitive coaching or that level two side of it? Um, is it strictly for national funding? Yeah, um, correct. Because I, 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 there, there's plenty of people that are out there that quite simply don't want to go through the process and that hinders the numbers in the grand scheme of things, right? I, I, I just have a hard time believing that a course is what makes a coach. Right. No, and, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah. I think that's where part of the struggle is, um, you know, keeping some of the, you know, so-called good potential coaches uh, out of the mix. Right. So it, it is a funding thing. Right. So when you're getting funding through the government, uh, you would have to hit a certain amount of check marks and certain amount of boxes. And that's one of them. Right. You have to have that course availability uh, for a national level event in order to get that that done yeah it, it, I, I agree with you there's a lot there's a lot of great ones out there right but but i mean like if, if funding is a huge part, portion to the thing right so yeah unfortunately we just uh work. you we did the competitive coach clinic at sherwood there tim i can't remember how long ago a number of months ago yeah. um and it was a friday night saturday and sunday but it was worth it you know you know it could have could have you know dragged it on a little bit longer or to, you know and, or a little bit less but um, it was definitely educational content, and I think for a coach that wants to be competitive, wants to coach at a national level, they should be putting in the time to go and learn learn the information rather than just because you're a good bowler makes you a good coach. You know, I've had so many, you know, coaches in my sporting careers, and, you know, some of the best coaches never, ever played the game. You know, sure, some of the best players are also good coaches, but it, it, really, it really isn't, you know, the equivalent that's a totally different game a totally different mindset just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're a good coach so we can't just hand Absolutely. you the ticket you have to go put the time in put the effort into learning the stuff especially if the 
you know, the government says so, or the people that put the time into developing these courses, then go and take the course. Yeah. I, I will say I took the course in 2013 and I finally completed it because of COVID. So it took me about eight years to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> for all, So, I mean, there, I, I, I'm certain those, and that's the other thing. You guys take your competitive level two or competitive course on, and you do it all. You still need to do the online work and do the online portion, right? So I, I don't think the course would be nearly as bad if you didn't have to do that. But with certain guidelines you have to follow, right? That's part of the, because I mean, I was just hopped on for the, the tail end of, uh, and I'll Dave and, and Sheila did all everything for online virtually, right? Um, but it's all run has to be approved every little slide that goes through CAC, right? Everything has to be gone through them, and they have to approve it, right? So um, it's not saying, hey, we want to do this. This is what their guidelines are and what they expect from us, and we yeah. have to meet them, unfortunately. Yeah, but. I'm a, I just it's a good way to share things and see where we are at with our coaching and I, I think there's a if anybody's interested in, in getting their coaching or figuring it out uh, like reach myself and I can guide you the right way and we want to make sure this is this is done properly and you guys everybody get to reach out to it yeah I think to have ease of access is going to make a really big difference too because I, I have no doubt there's a lot of uh, competitive volas out there like myself included being able to speak from a personal standpoint um i always in my head i was like i want my level two but it's a huge time commitment and uh a lot of you know rescheduling and and stuff like that to try and make it fit into my life uh especially when my intention is to go and bowl um and if my intention is to bowl and the ability for me to coach is so severely limited um what what purpose do i actually have going into getting it done but if it if there is a uh, it's more easily accessible um through a lot of the ways that like you were mentioning um i think it'll inspire a lot more people to be like okay like yeah this is worth the the time commitment or the uh the investment into my growth as a coach um simply because it's it's easier to access correct mm -hmm. That's a good explanation. You, know, you got to have the. I like I like the idea, Tim, that it gets to be able to go online, and you about to. It will become easier. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's kind of a fight back on some learning facilitators because, and I don't disagree with them. The online portion when you had the community sport um, was very. There's a lot of people that can take community. To help out their YBC program, they don't actually know the, the logistics of it, so the online portion does help a lot. Um, but that being said, there's always a good to the bad, and the good part is if you're able to do it online and get more people certified to help out the programs and make it easier, then then there's that, right? I wish there was more of a checklist um, to make sure that these coaches are getting the right information and coaching the right information, right? Because um, I, I I see I. You see a lot of community coaches out there. I feel personally that um, that still don't understand the game and their coaching. Right? We all see it. Uh, they're great volunteers, but maybe they're lacking the the education with it. Um, and there's a way. If there was a way we can help educate them more after being certified, I think that's another route we should be looking at as well. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nail what do you like? Especially what do you like better? Uh, it's really easy to, uh, if you don't know 
what you're talking about. I mean, as we spoke about social media earlier and how easy it is to spread misinformation, if you don't know what you're talking about, like you could actually be doing more harm than good. So keeping up on that education and being able to, to put forth, this is information that should be shared and what's going to be beneficial, I think is, uh, is really key. So I, I totally agree with what you said there, Tim. I was going to ask you, Megan, what, what do you prefer, the Open versus the Masters? We debate that often. Ooh, tough question, and we debated a lot. Um, I think for the competition, I prefer the Open. Um, you're bowling with your zone, and you get to, you know, win or make the team, win provincials, go away to, uh, to nationals, and uh, the competition at the Open is always so much fun. Uh, but in terms of, like, the – the experience at nationals, I think the masters puts off a better experience. I don't know how to explain that. Like there's so much more interaction, especially because you have that, uh, the teaching and seniors divisions. So there's, there's so much more fun things to do, I think. So, uh, I prefer competing in the open, but I prefer the masters nationals themselves. How about, uh, WCBT? tournament format um you know i mean the 40 qualify versus the brackets versus the double sides versus the autumn open i love the autumn open i said it from day one autumn open forever um i think that for me um i've actually always thought that the open singles should actually be that kind of format um or the master singles or whatever the masters i like the match play though because even though you might be down and out of a match the key is you still need to keep shooting for everything that you have or okay i'm shooting a a 350 i've i have won by 150 i'm still going to go shoot for every single pin that you can and uh not saying that you're not doing that already but it's different to be like oh yeah this match is in the bag or oh this match i'm way out of it and even though you feel like you're trying a lot of it like your heart's not in it um so i love the autumn open format where it's the 50 point bonus like you bowl bowl your scores and obviously there's still that element of match play kind of combined into it uh actually why we decided very last minute to come out to the autumn open so i'll see you all in person in like- uh, awesome <laughs> My what, favorite so though. What, I love it. what spurred that decision to come out to the Autumn Open at, and one of the WCBT events? Um, Melissa made a lot of money off of me from investing <laughs> in some uh, back alley <laughs> transactions, maybe. Uh, no, it, uh, one, I, I played really well. Um, we went up to Club Tour. Uh, we actually had uh, some flight credits to use. So we went up to Club Tour mainly to be like, okay, this is an experience, a little bit of practice. WCBT is probably a little bit more of a time and money commitment that maybe I'm not quite ready for just yet, you know, getting back into it. Uh, but going and playing the way that I did at uh, the MBT, I was like, okay, no, I'm not just getting back into things. I'm back into things and uh, fresh off of a win and with some extra money to burn, we were like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> Let's so like, I think it was like a couple days after Melissa was like, want to go to autumn? I was like, sure. She's like, cool. I just booked us flights. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we put our names down first to be like, okay, put us in these shifts. We still need flights. And then she booked flights. 
Yeah. Cart before the horse. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that was a just a simply, you know, I got some extra money and I, I feel like I can actually go and do something with it. I'm not just going to like throw money away coming out to bowl. Um, I can actually go out there and compete. So yeah, really looking forward to it. First WCBT event I've played in since I moved out here, I think. I moved out here in uh, 2014 and I, I hit Autumn Open on the way up as I was moving. And uh, I think that was the last one that I got to play in. So pretty Before excited. The WCBT was even established. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so technically first ever WCBT event. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> yeah, so a couple of Newfoundlanders are making their way over. So that's gonna be a lot of We're fun. Excited to have you guys out. Can't believe that's next yeah. week already. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I was just talking to Melissa the other day and she was like, you know, like planning and going to start packing. I'm like, packing? For what? We leave in like six days. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mind boggling. <laughs> but yeah, we are really excited to come out. So uh, we'll see how it is uh, flying out across the country during whatever trying to fly at this time is. But uh yeah excited to be there awesome well um we're kind of closing in on that two hour mark so do you have any parting words or any wisdom you want to share with the podcast crew or everybody that's listening any wisdom uh don't be a paramedic ever <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding uh i actually love my job <laughs> um i think i've shared a lot of my thoughts on things um, I could talk forever about, you know, the mental toughness and, uh, you know, going through all the things that I have been through. Um, so I think the biggest thing is knowing that if you're experiencing similar things that you're not alone. Uh, so if anybody has been through a really tough time is struggling with their mental or physical health, uh, shoot me a message. I have no problem chatting. Um, I've had a good couple of chats with some friends in the past past few weeks. And, uh, you know, it always leaves me feeling good to pass on, you know, even through the terrible experiences that I've been through, if I'm able to share some of that knowledge with somebody and maybe brighten them up a little bit, I think it, uh, it makes that whole crappy side of it a little bit easier. So uh yeah if anybody wants to chat or pick my brain on uh you know mental prep or or just to chat about some tough times they're going through i've been there i'm here to listen so uh yeah other than that uh thank you guys so much for for asking me on um mm -hmm can't believe that it's 140 some odd episodes what are you guys doing with your lives <laughs> no kidding seriously you guys do an awesome job so thank you so much for having me on uh thanks for so I much i just speak on. for myself thank you for coming on and it's awesome seeing you back you were such a dominant force before the injury obviously and now seeing you back it's um exciting to see where it's going to take you and we hope to see you on the lanes at all the nationals. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm really excited to be back. Hopefully we can, uh, we can repeat some domination in a week. So <laughs> <laughs> we scared everyone. Be that there's, 
there's more pressure on Newfoundland now to keep it up. You've uh, you're no right. longer just that little <laughs> on the East Coast. You're a powerhouse. Yeah, so we'll drag some people along with us. No, I'm really excited to see what Newfoundland does this year. Yeah, uh, expectations. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, you guys <laughs> have any any parting words, or we're ready to wrap this one up. Oh, for 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 myself, I I just uh, I I followed your career for for quite some time, and uh, obviously your 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 dedication and um, the the experience, especially recently that you've gone through. I I think your message is extremely relatable for uh, a, a lot of the community that you know that this podcast may you know get uh, get out to. So um, you know the 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 fact that. that uh, you're able to get back into that competitive mindset and uh, back into that that fierce drive that you've had that that's made you so good for so many years. Um, I, I think it's just some something that you know maybe that one person might be able to 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 see and, and push their their journey, you know, one step closer. So uh, definitely appreciate you uh, coming on and. Uh, obviously, you know, putting your experiences out there and, uh, you know, we're, we're very grateful for, for all that knowledge. No worries. I'm happy to share and uh, help people feel a little less, a uh, little less alone. Because I think that was the hardest part going through it myself was feeling like it was an entire battle that I had to face all by myself. Uh, so anytime that I'm able to to make anybody feel a little bit better about what they're going through and the fact that they aren't by themselves. Like I'm more than happy to, and makes me feel so much better. Warms my heart a little bit. And I'm so, so excited to be back competing, doing the things that, uh, that I've done for a very, very long time <laughs> and, uh, excited to see, uh, see everybody's faces again. So looking forward to the year ahead and what that holds for, not just myself, but, uh, but for bowling and especially bowling in Newfoundland. Perfect. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Thanks again, Megan. And uh, we'll see everybody next week before the autumn open. <laughs> Sounds yeah, good. We'll see you in person next week. <laughs> yeah, 5TL yeah. this weekend, week number two. Tune in, everybody. Hey, see you guys. See you later, guys. Thank you. Bye.